Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Good, good. Hey, I'm Rose. I'm on staff here at Lighthouse. And for those of you that don't know me, Clint and I planted this church five years ago. So, hey, I wanted to start off with... Um, and announcement, so next week we are starting our next series, it's called Truth and Lies. And we're going to be talking about what does culture say, what does the world say. Um, we know that <laughs> they throw a lot of lies towards us and we choose to believe them. And, but what does the Bible say? Because the Bible is truth and so we're going to attempt to combat some of the lies that culture um, tends to throw our way. So that starts next week, but today you get to hear from me. So we are in between series, and so um, I got to choose the topic to talk about, and this is what the Lord gave me. So I'm going to start off with giving you a snapshot of my story. Um, I'm not going to give a lot of details because you all want to eat some lunch today. So um, I'm just going to give you a snapshot of my story. So I grew up on a dairy farm in LaGrange County, a small dairy farm, and um, five kids in my family. So I have three brothers and one sister and mom and dad. So there were seven of us growing up in this farmhouse with one bathroom. And, <laughs> and so um, I had a great family, great, grow, um, great life growing up. Uh, went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Whenever the doors were open, we were there. And, um, but I didn't accept Christ until I was 19. I did not understand that it was about a relationship with Jesus. I just thought it was a lifestyle. And so it wasn't until I was 19 years old and my life was a little bit of a mess and my campus life leader sat down with me and he explained that it's a relationship with Jesus that I need. And so at 19 years old, I accepted Christ. And, but with that said, I didn't change my lifestyle. <laughs> and so for the next four years from <clears throat> age 19 to 24, I lived a very rebellious life, and I just chose to do what I wanted to do during those five years. And so at 20 years old, I got pregnant by my boyfriend. And, um, and 20 weeks into the pregnancy, I, had a, I miscarried a baby boy. And it was absolutely devastating. Even though it was out of wedlock, and it was... I mean, if you're a mom, you know what it's like to carry a child, and you know the connection that happens when you're pregnant, and it was absolutely devastating, but people in my life did not understand the grief that I was experiencing, and they didn't have, um, they just didn't understand it. They were like, well, you were pregnant out of wedlock, so... <laughs> Is this a good thing? You know, and so they didn't understand that. And so I was very alone. I was very alone in my pregnancy. I was very alone in my grief after the miscarriage because um, people just didn't connect with that. Um, so at 24 years old, I went to missions training. 
um, missions discipleship training in Baltimore. And um, from there, went to Central America for four months on outreach. And during that time, during the discipleship training, I met a boy and um, knew right away I was going to marry him. And so I went to Central America in Guatemala and Honduras for four months and loved it. Um, and my, the guy that I met at the time went to Romania for 16 months. And so three months after he came back from his outreach, we got married. And we, so I got married when I was 26, and, which is a great way, great time to get married, by the way. <laughs> and so, he, uh, so we got married. We had three fantastic kids. And um, we were married for nine and a half years, had a good marriage. And nine and a half years into the marriage, we were on the bypass on the west side of South Bend and were in a head-on collision uh, by a woman who was going the wrong direction. And um, I'm not going to give details. There's, that's a two-hour story right there. We don't have time for that. Um, so my husband died next to me in the car accident, and I had broken bones all over my body, literally, and could not care for myself for weeks. And so, and two, my two youngest kids were treated and released, and um, my oldest son, he has a spinal cord injury as a result of that accident. So I instantly became a single mom to three small children with no warning no time to prepare, um, everything, my life did a 180 in an instant, in a split second, my life changed. And there was nothing I could do about it. I had to figure out how was I gonna get through this with, with three small children. That was hard. It was very hard. And so I was trying to figure out how to live this new life and that was 19 years ago. And my life looks very different now. So a year after um, becoming a widow and a single mom, I, um, within that next year, I met Clint and got married. Less than a year. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Would not recommend. And uh, for us, um, it's what we chose to do. We felt like the Lord wanted us to get married at that time. Did not understand it, and how do you explain that to people? Um, but that was our life. And so we became a stepfamily. I became a stepmom to two children and um, became a second wife. There was a lot of... Um, there's a lot of rejection that happens in a stepfamily. It's just really, really hard. Really hard. If you're in a stepfamily, you know what it's like. And I don't have to explain it to you. It's just really hard. And so, and during that time, Clint and I, we had to fight for our marriage. We had to fight for our kids. We had to fight for our family to stay together because we were determined that we were not going to be another statistic. We were going to fight. And for seven years, we fought really, really hard. 
to stay together and to save our family, to save our marriage. Um, extremely hard. And during that time, in the middle of all that, Clint, uh, we agreed that Clint could um, quit his job at Memorial Hospital um, with a very nice salary. And a very nice salary. I thought I married a rich man. And um, so two years after we got married, um, went into full-time ministry and took a very significant pay cut. That was hard. <laughs> if you've ever been in full-time ministry, you also know the challenges that come with being in full-time ministry. There is a lot of, um, there's church hurt that happens with being in full-time ministry. And so, so I'm trying to grieve the loss of my husband and my life change. I'm trying to figure out how to be a stepmom. I'm trying to figure out how to be in a stepfamily. I'm trying to figure out how to be a pastor's wife and trying to figure out how to live on a lower income all at the same time. Oh, and then also building a house that was wheelchair accessible and planning a wedding and all the things. Really hard. That doesn't include all of the loss that also happened in the meantime. Um, so yeah, so life has been hard. But it's been good, right? It can be good in the midst of being hard. Because if you invite the Lord into it, it can be good in the process, too. Reality is, is that life is hard, right? Life hands us stuff. Sometimes out of nowhere. Life hands us stuff. And many times it's out of our control. And there's nothing we can do about it. Except to figure out how to get through it. But it's how we respond that matters. How are we going to respond to the stuff that life hands us? That's what matters. So that's what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> Today's scripture is 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 11, and it, it gives us it gives us good advice on how to handle hard times. So we're going to read it, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 11. And it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So the devil is trying to take us out. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So the title of today's message is God is Greater Than Our Struggles. He is bigger than anything we could ever face. The God of the universe sees us, and he knows what we're going through. He understands it, and he's bigger. 
So it's up to us to bring him into our situations. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give you some things to consider. So God, I thank you that you are bigger than anything we face in this life. Anything that we have faced in the past or even now, what we are going through today, you are so much bigger, so much more powerful. And anything that we face tomorrow or the next day or the next week or month or years, you're so much bigger. You are trustworthy. You are powerful. And Lord, we choose to trust that you've got it. You've got it. So Lord, would you speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we can get through our struggles by staying faithful to God. Verses 8 and 9, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Reality is, is that life has challenges. Life is challenging. It's just true. Whether you've gone through similar things that I've gone through or something completely different, it may not be as major, but it's hard. It's your thing. It's what life has handed you. We can expect life to hand us challenges. I mean, the Bible says the devil is out to get us. He's out to get us. He's just prowling around looking for someone to take out. That's what he does. But we can resist him and we can stand firm in the faith. Romans 8, verse 17, it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. We are not in this alone. God is in it with us. He's in it with us. He knows your heart. He feels your heart. He understands your heart. He's in it with you. But how do we do this well? <laughs> how do we do it well? We're going to talk about that. I've got three things that um, can help you do it well. The first one is submit to God. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he, he will flee from you. It starts with submission. Being fully submitted to God. Not just partially. God, you can have this little part. You can have this little part. All of it. Submit everything to God. All of it. If you're struggling in your faith walk or in life in general and you haven't fully submitted everything to God, it's going to be a struggle. I've experienced that. I've walked it out many times. And it's just true. Once I have found that if I get to a place of being fully submitted to him, 
it's so much easier to trust him. It's so much easier to see that God is in it and that he's, that he's got me. Fully submit yourselves. Submit to his authority. Give him full reign of whatever it is you're facing. Give him full reign of your life. The second thing we can do is arm yourself and fight. Arm yourself and fight. There is a battle that is going on all the time for our lives. The devil's out there working on things, trying to take us out. But there's also God who is fighting for us. But it's also up to us to fight the battle. We can't just sit back and let it happen. We also got to fight. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17 it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say try. It says put it on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is fighting, guys. Take your stand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, fighting means standing up. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You guys, we have to put on the armor. This morning, when I was getting ready to come to the church, I was really struggling with having to share my story. And because, you know, who likes to do that? So I was really struggling with it, and, he, and the Lord said to me, practice what you preach. And I'm like, what? And um, he said, you haven't put your armor on yet. And so I said, okay. And uh, so I put the armor on, which, by the way, takes 30 seconds to do. It's very simple. It's not hard. It takes 30 seconds to put on the armor, and everything shifted. I'm like, okay, I've got this. We can do this. Putting on the armor can shift everything. Put that helmet on to change your mindset. Put the shoes of peace on to walk in peace. Put on that breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. The shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, walk in truth. So, so, so important. Put that armor on. And you can walk with confidence through your day. Another way we can fight is to worship. Worship is our weapon. This is not only on Sunday mornings. This is also Monday through Saturday. Worship is our weapon all 
the time, not just on a Sunday morning. I don't know what music you listen to, but music affects how we think, how we feel, how we see things. It affects us. So I would challenge you, if you're not listening to worship music on a regular basis, switch. Switch to worship music and see what happens. It's my challenge for you. Switch to worship music on a regular basis. Try it for three days and see what happens. That's my challenge for the next few days. But a quick story on that. Paul and Silas are in prison for doing ministry. They're doing street ministry, and they come up on this lady who was demon-possessed, and so they cast a demon out of this woman. And then they're accused of causing a ruckus and causing issues in the city. And they're accused of breaking the law. They're doing ministry. So they're thrown into prison. And Acts 16, verses 25 and 26, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they're worshiping in prison. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. They experienced freedom because they worshiped. And they were worshiping in a hard place. Not when life was going great, not when things were going smooth. They were worshiping in prison. And prison back then was not pretty. It was not pretty. They're in chains. <laughs> they're in chains. And they're worshiping. Worshiping in the hard place. And because they worship, God moved and brought freedom. The ground shook and the chains fell off. It was through worship that there was freedom experienced. You guys, worship is powerful. It is powerful. So if you're going through a hard time, worship. You might want to switch what music you're listening to. Another thing we can do is read the Bible. Part of the armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Read your Bible. So Paul, who was in prison for doing ministry, wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he wrote it while he was in prison. He wrote it while he was in a hard place. When he was suffering. If Paul can write the Bible while he's in a hard place, while he's in prison, can we not read it in our comfy chairs? It's not hard. We're not writing it while we're in prison. We only have to read it in our chairs 
at home in a nice warm house, in a safe house. So read your Bible and get to know the God who orchestrated the Bible. Get to know the God of the universe through reading his word. It's not hard. The second way we can get through our struggles is remembering that it is a season. 1 Peter 5.10, it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What you have gone through is probably not the rest of your life. It's probably a season. What I shared about my story, the miscarriage, the accident, the loss in my life, those were seasons. What I'm going through right now, it's a season. I don't believe it's the rest of my life. The Lord takes us through seasons. He says, after you have suffered a little while, it doesn't have to be the rest of your life. We have seasons with weather, right? We've got spring, summer, fall, and winter. Spring is a season of new life. It's a season of new growth. Summer, which is my favorite, is when things are in bloom. Things are in full bloom, and it's, everything's green. Everything's just beautiful, and it's warm. Fall is when things fall away that need to fall away. We go through seasons of pruning in our life. That's painful. It can be really painful. I've gone through seasons like that. Winter is a time when it's cold and it's hard, and it's also a time when there is growth that happens under the ground. There's growth that, that can't be seen. I'm a gardener, and I've learned that during the winter is when the roots grow. It's a time of growth. But it's also a hard season, right? Who's, who likes winter? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I stay inside at winter because <laughs> it's cold. I don't like being cold. But it's an important season. It's a time when growth happens that can't be seen. And then when spring comes, then you see the growth that was happening in the winter season. It's a beautiful thing, how God created it. So I've also learned to ask the question, I've, I've learned to ask God the question, what, do you, what are you doing in me during this season? And many times, it's not always, it's not always what you, I want to hear. <laughs> Sometimes it's a season of pruning. Sometimes it's a season of grief. Sometimes it's a, there's all kinds of season. He's taken me through seasons of changing my mindset, of changing my perspective. How many times do we need that? 
We need that a lot. He's taken me through seasons of teaching me how to trust him, teaching me about his faithfulness, teaching me about his power, and then in the process learning how do I live that out. How do I trust him? Practically speaking, how do I trust him? Let him take you through that season. So my question for you, what is God doing in you through this season? What is he not, not what is he doing for you or about you or through you? What is he doing in you? In you, what is he doing? Is he changing your heart posture? Is he changing your mindset? Or your perspective? Is he changing how you see people? Giving you more compassion? Is he teaching you about grace? What is he doing in you? Allow him to do what he wants to do in you and what you need him to do in you. Allow him to do what needs to be done. So our last thing we can do is we can get through struggles by pursuing healing. If you know me, you know that I can't talk about (laughs) the subject of struggling without talking about healing. I have walked through an immense amount of healing. That's why I can tell my story without being a puddle up here. Because the Lord has done an immense amount of healing in my heart. Because I've been willing to walk through it with him. And I've been willing to pursue it with him. Had I not done that, I wouldn't be standing in front of you, quite honestly. In verse 10, the end of verse 10, it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, this is a beautiful part, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is hope that he will restore us. It's a promise, you guys. He will restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Many times, the Lord will allow things to happen so that he can bring healing into places that we don't even know need healing. But we need to be willing to go there with him. So my dad had a swing um, that we had for years growing up. And so um, he gave, a few years before he died, he gave it to me. And um, I refinished it, but we left it outside. And I don't know if I didn't do it right. I don't know what happened. But over a few years, it just went bad. <laughs> it, the, the finish started coming off on its own. I mean, it was to the point where you couldn't even sit on it without getting a splinter. And so I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't get rid of it because it was my dad's. And um, so I decided to refinish it. So I had to take it apart 
And it was a process. Um, Clinton helped me take it apart to help me sand it. And I repainted it, and now it's very usable. It's pretty and it's usable. We can sit on it without getting a splinter. It's nice and smooth. And, but the process of restoration was very messy. Taking it apart was, I, honestly, I don't like the process of restoring things. It's just not my thing, but I really wanted to restore this because it was my dad's swing, and I wanted to keep it. And in order to keep it, I needed to refinish it. But the process was so messy. And Clinton helped me sand it. it was, there was dust everywhere. Sanded it in the garage. It was all over the cars, it was all over everything, and I'm like, man, now I have to clean that up. And it was messy. It wasn't fun. It's not something that we enjoy doing. It wasn't fun. And then I had to paint them. I had to prime it. There were five coats on those boards. And two coats of primer, three coats of paint, and it was a process. It was a little bit, it was a bit painful. And many times the Lord will take us through a process. The restoration process with God isn't always pretty either. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really messy and ugly. But we, if we can have our eyes on the end goal, with the Lord, it can be a beautiful process. And it can be a beautiful outcome in the end. We just need to let ourselves walk through it with him, partnering with him in the process. I want to close with Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. This is a process. Suffering produces perseverance. That's a little bit of a process. And then perseverance, character, and character, hope. But we need to remember the end goal is hope but we have to partner with God. We have to remember, don't keep your focus on the situation that you're in, the hard thing that you're going through, but remember that God is bigger than this. He can handle it. If he can create the universe, if he can part waters for thousands of people to walk through, I think he can handle our situations. I think he's got it. So keeping the perspective of God is bigger than what we go through in this life. He's got it. But allow him to work in you in the process. So we can get through our struggles by staying faithful to God, remembering that it is a season, and pursue healing in the midst of it. 
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.